You're listening to the Midlife Mastery Podcast. My name is Peter Fritz, and this show is all about mastering your money, your time, and the best time of your life, your midlife, of course. Okay, I'm going to try something different here. Haven't done this before. Stuck my ugly mug on the camera for a podcast episode, but um, I'm going to give it a go this week and see how it turns out. Now, this is going to be a bit tricky because I'm going to have to read what I've written, even though I'm not going to be reading it verbatim, but at least I need to see what I've written in this um, in this current episode and the current blog post to know what to actually talk to you about. So um, I don't know if this is going to look any good or not. Um, I'm probably going to spend most of my time staring at my screen instead of staring at the camera, which is what I probably should be doing. So forgive me for that, but let's see how it goes. So um, I want to welcome you back to this current episode of the Midlife Mastery Podcast. This is session number 40. I think we're up to 40 now. Let me just have a look. Holy dooly. Uh, Let's see. We are up to number 40. Okay, cool. So... um, In this episode, what I wanted to talk to you about is, well, what I've entitled on the blog post, uh, Happiness and Goals and the Paradox of Striving. Um, See, about a year ago, I happened upon a video by David Lindenberg, or Lindenberg, I should say, called Why Your Life is Not a Journey. And uh, it features a speech by a very famous British philosopher called Alan Watts. Now, I discovered Alan Watts through Chase Reeves from Fizzle.co. Uh, in fact, some of the greatest people that I've discovered have come thanks to um, thanks to Chase and Corbett over at Fizzle. Uh, people like Seth Godin, uh, Stephen Pressfield, and of course Alan Watts. Um, but the video and the music and the vocals um, of Ryan O'Neill from the group Sleeping at Last had such an impact, um, along with Alan's speech in this video, that it it completely altered my thinking about our journey through life, and all of the meaning that we ascribe to it. So um, in the blog post that goes along with this um, podcast episode, I've included um, that video for you to have a look at. It's only about uh, four and a half minutes long. Let me see. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty much exactly four and a half minutes long. And it's absolutely beautiful. Um, I challenge anyone to watch that video and not be affected by it. So it's there in the um, in the blog post, which you'll find at midlifetribe.com slash 4040 for, the, uh, for this episode of the podcast. Um, but since I saw that video and I've shared it with a lot of people and shown it to a lot of people, I've actively um, gone out of my way to find more lectures and speeches by Alan Watts. And... Um, what he is most well known for, I guess, is bringing Eastern philosophy to the West. He popularized a lot of ancient Eastern texts and concepts um, in the West, and his speeches are just so eloquently delivered that it's hard not to get enthralled by them. Um, And far from being dry lectures that only academics would enjoy, um, his words, and, and I think particularly the way he delivers them, especially with his beautiful British accent, um, they're moving and they're entertaining. He's very self-effacing, uh, but he's terribly, terribly British, and I love it. Um, anyway, after I saw that video, I also went ahead and purchased Ryan's incredible album called Atlas, and it makes a daily appearance at my desk along with uh, the likes of Coldplay and Zero Seven and Roger Waters at the moment. So that's what I tend to listen to a lot while I work. Um but the other day, um, as I was waiting for my son's class to be dismissed, I 
was looking around at the other parents who were waiting to pick up their kids, and a lot of them looked stressed and anxious and distracted. Um, and it reminded me of Lindbergh's video. I could, I could feel their restlessness. I could see it in their body language, and I've been there before many times. I could see the worries, the disappointments, and that ever-present but unspoken quest for more. You know what I mean? Always something more. Um, some of them were buried, as a lot of people are these days, in their phones, just sitting there, you know, tapping away mindlessly their phone, looking at social media. Um, others were sort of looking furtively around the crowd like scared field rabbits. Um, and something that I've noticed a lot lately, I don't know why I've become so aware of this, but I noticed a, a lot of men these days, I don't see it with women, but I see it a lot with men sitting there tapping their feet, jiggling their feet nervously. I don't know what it is. It's it's um, it's like something connected to their brain where they just can't disguise this sense of anxiety and nervousness that they have. Um, so I see a lot of that these days, and I saw that <laughs> while I was sitting there waiting for uh, for the kids to come out. It's almost as if they're trying to telegraph their anxiety directly to the earth, you know. Um, I saw lots of mothers behind designer shades feigning laughter at um, what I call vapid sound bites. <laughs> Uh, from their uh, from their shaded counterparts, um, it's that kind of um, trite conversation that's superficial and you know full of um, exaggerated laughter. It's almost like what you see on social media and, and text messages, where they're full of exclamation marks, lots of emojis, and really, it's not how people who are truly engaged with each other communicate. You know, um, so I saw a lot of that, and. All around, there were t- the toddlers running in and out of the garden beds. And I saw three-year-olds and four-year-olds dressed head-to-toe in Nike and Adidas and other brand-name products. And, of course, there was a the usual gaggle of uh, young mothers, you know, carrying branded Italian luxury handbags, uh, European key fobs dangling from manicured fingers. And uh, I saw this, I, I see him every time, this middle-aged man, um, with his chest puffed out through a Versace T-shirt with a huge Versace logo on it, um, tucked neatly into his Versace jeans held up by a thick leather belt, a Versace one, of course. And this scene kind of reminded me of our city skyline at night. Our city skyline has been growing quite rapidly over the last 10 years in Melbourne. And it reminds me, it's starting to remind me of Tokyo um, I remember seeing that movie Lost in Translation and the opening scene was sort of this um, gloomy outlook across the city skyline with all the red lights just glowing, just flashing on top of all the skyscrapers. And it reminded me of that. It was like an outline. Well, the city is like this outline of lonely silhouettes, you know, with red beacons on top, all flashing in unison. And over time, the once tall buildings are replaced by even taller ones and their beacons are deemed no longer necessary, so they're switched off. And it kind of reminded me of that, all these people struggling to be noticed, to feel like they're getting somewhere that they're, you know, that they're living the good life, I guess. This microcosm of humanity reminded me how addicted we are to striving, you know, and telegraphing our progress along the way as we strive. Um, We're addicted to exemplifying the good life. Um, And... I'm starting to see just how insidious and damaging that can be. You know, parents infect their kids with it from a very young age um, and they teach them by example that it's normal and expected behaviour. By the time we're 12, I think most of us live under its spell and uh, we frame our lives according to this um, strange doctrine. I looked at all those people and I saw myself. 
not the the present day me, but the person that I used to be very recently. Uh, I once believed that happiness can be bought, like a lot of us. Um, I actively sought it out. I worked my butt off uh, to try and get it. And I tried to buy it over and over again. And yet, I was never satisfied. Uh, There was always another level. There was always more. And I've written about this quite a bit. Um, I wrote a post called Why I'm Embracing Minimalism and um, another one on keeping up with the Joneses and um, why they'll hold you back and why they want to keep you broke. Um, But as my priorities have shifted over the last couple of years, I see this issue clearer than ever. And I, I recognize the falsehood for what it is. And this video, this video by David Lindbergh with Alan Watts, kind of brought this whole thing into crystal clear um, relief. And this is, I think, that um, we all suffer from this common affliction that we're living in the future. We're treating life as a quest with a destination at the end, something grand at the end of it, you know. And this destination at the end keeps getting reset and reset all the time. You know, we, we strive for things, we aspire to them, we work our butts off to get to them. That's the quest, that's the thing at the end of the quest. And then we get it and we're unsatisfied. So we have to go on another quest again. And I think that um, this game of delayed gratification, um, where we're paradoxically delaying our happiness, happens because we've decided that acquiring stuff, getting stuff, um, we've decided that that's what's going to make us happy. And we've decided that getting the stuff is more important. But I think that we have this whole thing backwards. It's a very simple equation. We have it backwards. We believe that the next thing, whether it's a promotion, a pay rise, a, you know, a new car, the new iPhone or new Samsung Galaxy 9, whatever's coming out next, we believe that that thing is going to make us happy. Um, and so we strive to get it as if our lives depends on it, as if our lives depend on it. And then we assume we'll be satisfied, we'll be happy. But we know it's a lie. Um, we've done it often enough to know <clears throat> that uh, it doesn't work. It certainly doesn't work for very long. I mean, there might be an initial uh, dopamine hit, but it certainly doesn't last very long. And with each um, level that we aspire to, that dopamine hit lasts uh, for even less time. Um, the happiness is fleeting and sometimes it's even non-existent. You get close to your goal and you've already lived it for so long in your mind that when you actually acquire it, often it's actually an anticlimax. It's a disappointment. You know, it's a letdown. Um, and yet still we do it. We keep doing it over and over again. What Alan Watts suggested was that life is best described by analogy with music. And I really love this analogy. We don't play music to reach the end of the composition. Otherwise, the most successful composers would be those who only wrote finales. And it's very much the same with dancing. The point of dancing is not to aim at a spot on the dance floor and to arrive at that spot on the dance floor. The whole point of dancing is the dance. And it's to dance while the music is playing. You know what I mean? Um, So we're not on a pilgrimage where the end, where the destination is what we seek. Because the end, by definition is incredibly brief. It's the end. And how long can you enjoy the end of something? So I believe the whole point of life is to live it while the music is playing. And that doesn't mean to abandon your dreams and your goals and your ideals and your responsibilities. It certainly doesn't mean that. But it means that they're not mutually exclusive, that you can strive and you can achieve and you can can dream about 
things that you want to accomplish, but they needn't be at the expense of the present. And I know this is kind of a cliche, but I think this fundamental analogy of understanding that life is not a quest, that you're not on a journey to some destination, I think if you really grasp that and you use the metaphor of of dance and music, then it starts to make a lot more sense. Um, Because the point is that when the music stops, it stops forever. You know, you don't get to say, hang on, hang on, hang on. I wasn't quite ready. I didn't know we'd started already. Um, can, can I just have another go? Can you just wind the clock back, you know, 30 years? Can't do that. Um, so I would recommend thinking about this as deeply as you can. Um, because I think that if you grasp it, if you really grasp it, then you'll realize that you're already successful. You're already living the dream right here and now in many ways. Um, There's every chance that you're living the life that you dreamed of some time ago, maybe when you were a kid, maybe when you're in your 20s. You know, there's a good chance that you're already living that dream. Obviously, it comes bundled with other responsibilities and pressures and and situations that you could never foretell. That's just the way life is. I mean, it's uh, you essentially, um, you're doing the best you can to plan for things in the future, but life is also a series of bets. There are always mitigating cir- circumstances that you can't control and that you can't influence and that you can't foresee. So that's just part of the territory. Um, you know, if, if you don't believe that you're living a life now that you once dreamed, well, then I can guarantee that you're living a life that others have dreamed of and that others dream of today without question. Um, so, you know, life isn't perfect and it never will be. Um, nothing ever is. Um, believing otherwise, I think, is the ultimate lie that we tell ourselves, that one day each of us can have the perfect life. Not today, but one day we can have the perfect life. And I think that is the ultimate lie. It really is, and it stops us from actually enjoying our life now. So my advice to you and to myself, I mean, whatever I talk about is stuff that I'm teaching myself. It's stuff that I need to to learn and remember and, and live, you know, to actually... Um, live this way. So my advice to myself and to you, if you're interested, is, you know, sure, strive to grow and strive to achieve and, you know, even set goals if you feel that you must. But don't do it at the expense of this miraculous experience that you have right now. Because the fact is, you're alive and the music is playing. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Anyway, that's enough for this week. Um, not sure yet if I'm going to publish this as a video. Maybe I should just do it anyway. Um, I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? So I hope you enjoyed this uh, this session of the Midlife Mastery Podcast. And if you haven't already done so, I'd love it if you jump onto iTunes and leave a review and an honest, you know, a, a rating and an honest review. Um, I don't care whether it's positive or negative, but I'm interested to hear what you think. And um I'm probably saying this like a a recording now, but uh, if you don't already have a copy of 15 Ideas for Midlife Mastery, then jump over to midlifetribe.com slash 15 ideas and get yourself a copy. I wrote that uh, probably over a year ago now. It's about 60 pages long. It's uh, landscape format, full color. It's very nicely um, presented and easy to understand. And it is, as the title suggests, 15 different ideas for mastering your midlife. So it doesn't cost you anything. Just give me your uh, name and email address and I'll flick that straight off to you. Um, So that's midlifetribe.com slash 15ideas. And thanks for hanging around with me today and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And I look forward to speaking to you, maybe on video again, I don't know, um, next week. Till then, see ya. Bye.